one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Today we've got a great revenge story against a roommate who tried to cheat OP out of rent. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, I got my ex kicked out of college and her other boyfriend arrested. This story takes place from 2013 till 2019. For backstory and context, in 2013 to 2014, I was a senior in high school and my now ex, we'll call her Lisa, went to different high schools, about 20 miles apart. We met online and talked and started dating. We walked away after 4 months but got back together after about 6 months. There were no hard feelings over the first breakup because we didn't have the time to see one another. We were a year apart so we were able to go to one another's graduations. It was actually nice. She was sweet and caring back then. We would talk every day and hang out at least 3 or 4 times a week. After Lisa graduated, she got accepted to a university one town over from me. And her first semester was amazing as we would spend nights in her dorm together and I went to work while she was at class. Lisa got a part-time job at a pizza shop and I'd drive her and get pizza. It was simply young love, or so I thought. As co-workers do, she began hanging out with some of hers after work. Didn't bother me. I would go see my friends and let her have fun. They would smoke and drink, and one night she tried coke. I was uneasy and told her I wasn't thrilled, but she was honest and kept it away from me and college stuff like that happens. At this point, Lisa and I have been together for just over two years. One afternoon, I dropped her off at the train station on campus for her to go meet friends in the city for the weekend, and I would pick her up Sunday. Well, Lisa met a drug dealer who ended up at the same party. I was told years later that they hit it off and started talking. Lisa's habits got worse and worse. By this time, I started working night shifts, so I wasn't sleeping over much unless it was a weekend when she wasn't busy with studying. For the next two and a half years, she was sleeping over at his house when I wasn't around and sleeping with him while we would hang out during the day and have some fun of our own. I started to figure out she was cheating but thought I was insecure. We started fighting more and yelling at one another over every little thing. She would cuss me out if I didn't come over with alcohol when she demanded and would tell me she'd give me the money but never did. After a few times, I just took the money out of her wallet or shoebox where she'd hid cash. I never told her I took the money. I'd just take 40 out because she didn't have the extra $1.15. So I started rounding it up. Or I'd take it out of her bank account when she sent to get me money for her so she could buy more coke or pills. She got me to meet her dealer who I became friends with quickly and I told him of Lisa's plan to rob him for drugs and money. As he went to another room to get her bag for me to give her, I told him I'm not doing blow. So if he wants the money to put some extra baking soda or flour in there for me. He smoked me up and gave me fake drugs for her which pissed her off. I would also pocket the money because her dealer didn't want $20 for just baking soda. Lisa's dealer later sees her with her other boyfriend and texts me. Lisa tells him that she was dating the other guy for two and a half years and she never dated me. At that point, we'd been together for five years. I was crushed. I sat there thinking about how low things have fallen and felt like I was to blame. 
I let myself be in a mentally and physically abusive relationship. She was using me, and I ignored it. My friends felt they couldn't tell me because I wouldn't listen. My family hated her. I stayed for six months after that to get my revenge. I would take money as often as I could. There are upwards of over a thousand in a short while from her bank, wallet, and shoebox. Her aunt left her a car, and she didn't have a license, so I gave an anonymous tip about it. The car was impounded and she was given a fine. I picked her up to see her crying and loved every second of it. When she got the car back, I put sugar in the gas tank so it wouldn't start and was ruined, and she blamed the lot that impounded the car but didn't have proof. Finally, the summer was over and it was time for her to move back into college for her last year, so she thought. I took two overtime shifts that day, so I couldn't help her move, to which Lisa threw the biggest fit she ever had. I found out her other boyfriend wasn't allowed on campus for being caught with a pound of weed, pills, and a little bit of coke, so Lisa's family moved her in, and that night, I went to see her because she left stuff in my car, and she had some of my hoodies. As I bring it in, she tells me to put her stuff down and leave, for she's having people over and she needs to shower. So as she hops in, I put her stuff down, grab my hoodies, and anything that's mine, including her TV, Xbox, all the games, and her tablet that I paid for with my own money. I also take pictures of a few bags of weed, pills, and coke with her student ID badge, go into the bathroom, and tell her I'm leaving. She just says to leave, no I love you, no drive safe, or see you later. On my way out, I stopped at the campus police station and reported it. I show them the pictures in the room. They go and check it out and her roommate let them in. They had me ID her so they knew they got the right person. Watching her cry was satisfying and I couldn't help but smile. Well, her other man wasn't too pleased for having his girlfriend kicked out of college and threatened me with violence. I spent three hours on the phone with him telling him how Lisa and I were together for five years as of a month prior before that. We slowly put things together and realized how she played him for drugs and me for rides. I heard on the news they had a fight, and Lisa's other boyfriend was arrested for domestic violence and assaulting a police officer. I felt bad for him because he got 10 years from his anger, assault, domestic abuse, drugs, and an unregistered firearm. I don't feel bad for her getting hurt by her other boyfriend or being kicked out of school her final year. Shortly after, I met another woman who I vented to about all of this, and I'm now together with for over three years who's shown me I'm worth more than that witch and deserve to be happy. It's never okay to hit your significant other, nor to verbally abuse them. Trust me, if you feel like you're not worth loving, you are wrong. I never, with anything I've gone through, on anybody when it comes to a relationship. I wish I had left when she started doing blow, but I didn't. You're worth more than those who abuse you. As for Lisa, I heard she was kicked out of her parents' house and was in a drug house sleeping around for money. I don't know how true, but one can hope. This is definitely one of those situations. It's going to take a long time to accept how long you stuck around in a relationship like that. Although there's a lot of things that are crazy and worth thinking about for a while. Also, hi, I'm Steven. And if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is nuked my wife's lover. A little over a decade ago, my then wife decided to get a divorce. We had two kids, 13-year-old male and 6-year-old female, and even though our sex life was non-existent, I really didn't want to get divorced and break up the family. It turned out that the reason that life was killed off was that she had been cheating on me for quite a while. 
She had planned everything out years in advance and had set it up so that the divorce would be final at the same time she finished up the last semester of her master's degree. Then she was going to take the kids and move to Dallas to live with her fiancé, even showed me the engagement ring. Long story short, you could say the divorce was ugly, in much the same way you could say the bombing of Hiroshima left the place rather messy. When the smoke cleared, I wound up with custody of the kids, so she literally packed a U-Haul and drove off to Dallas to move in with her fiancé, then she stopped paying child support. I had to get the state attorney's general office to sue her to get her to pay up. Since she had gone ahead and moved to Dallas, she had very little contact with the kids, and when they did go to her place, they hated it. Her new hubby, we called him the step douche, had no interest in the kids other than to bully them. It wasn't physical, but it was still bullying. For example, when my son was 15, he wanted to go to a horror movie convention in Dallas. I couldn't afford to go with him, but I scraped up enough money so he could go. The ex said she would pick him up at the airport, drive him to the convention, take care of him while he was in Dallas, make sure he had a good time, etc. So I got him a plane ticket and a three-day convention pass. Instead of taking him to the convention, they used him to help them move all weekend. By the time he got to the convention, it was Sunday afternoon and everything was shut down and everyone was going home. The step douche was a huge jerk and was constantly making things as hard as he could for both me and the kids, simply because he could. This is just one example. He also occasionally beat the crap out of my ex, but that's another story. It's important to note here that what the step douche did for a living. He and a couple other partners ran a small business slash scam that solicited people to invest in oil wells. They ran a call center, some of his disgruntled employees posted online about this, and cold called folks to talk them into investing. They would then get this money together, and they were supposed to use it to buy old oil wells, rework the well to get it producing again, and the investors all got a share of the proceeds. I know that they actually did do this on a couple of occasions. They had pictures of the well on the firm webpage. But how much of the investors' money was actually invested, and how much went towards the step douche's rented Mercedes and suits and such, I don't know. I know that step douche and my ex went to a lot of rock concerts and pro football games, but I also know that at least one of his partners was apparently honest, more on that later, and the firm was big enough that they hired my ex to work there at least part-time, and they had a couple of office assistants too. I had spent some time in the military and worked briefly with law enforcement, so I pulled every string I could and got as much background on the stepdad as I could. It turned out that he was on probation for felony cocaine possession and for assaulting a cop. Apparently, he had stopped off at a truck stop to pick up some party supplies for a Super Bowl party and he bought the drugs from an undercover cop. Nobody knew this, not the ex. She was shocked when I told her. Not his partners, certainly not the people he was trying to get invest in his oil well deals. Eventually, I posted his arrest report online. The whole thing, except his social security number. I was very careful not to add or embellish anything, because when it comes to slander, truth is a defense. As long as I only posted the truth, i.e. the complete arrest report, along with arrest number, records numbers, etc., and his plea bargain deal, it wouldn't be legally actionable. Court records are public documents. I also said that this was only one side of the story and that people should contact him to find out his side. So, I posted all his contact information, including where he worked and the firm website and the firm phone number. 
and I think his home address, in the interest of fairness, so people could get his side of the story. But I did not dox him or anything like that, not even once, even though he lacked the legal certifications and background checks required for someone who worked doing investments. I figured his partners could find that out for themselves if they decided to check. I don't know the details of what happened next, but I do know that the ex called me up a couple of weeks later and literally begged me to take down my post. I politely refused. I do know that his firm vanished, website gone, phones disconnected, emails bounced. Apparently people are reluctant to invest their life savings with an unlicensed drug felon. Who knew? The kids said that the ex and step douche had to move into a hotel for a while. So what happened to the house they were renting? I don't know. Finally, they moved back to our city and he got a job working for a buddy's exotic car company. Customers would come into the company and request a particular kind of car and he had to go search the internet to find a matching one that was for sale. I don't think it was a high paying position. The ex went back to the job she had before the divorce, though with another company and she was the big breadwinner. I know that they were dodging creditors for a long time because I would occasionally get phone calls from bill collectors asking for my ex-wife. These guys always found me to be very cooperative. Since I dropped the kids off at their place for the visitation weekends, I knew exactly where they lived, what their phone numbers were, where the ex worked, everything. Then I would call her brother, my ex-brother-in-law, and tell him that his sister was in financial trouble again. I think he helped her out a few times. I once got a call from a bill collector that was out to repo the Harley the ex had bought step douche as a wedding present. I was able to tell them not just where they lived but how to get up to the property unseen. There was a small drainage ditch that ran alongside and that when I dropped off the Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com storytimepod today to get 10% off your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Kids on Saturday mornings, he normally had the garage door open while he did yard work. I don't know if the repo man used this information or not, but they did go from a three-car plus a Harley family to a one-car family over the course of a few months. Since they only had one car, Step Douche made X take the bus to work. Finally, my daughter was brave enough that she used her iPhone to record one of his rage fits where he slapped around the X. I was able to take this to court and get a restraining order requiring him to be at least 500 feet away from my daughter at all times. This meant that the ex still had visitation, but that my daughter didn't have to go over to their house anymore. Eventually, Step Douche got fired from his job, he has real problems with authority figures, and he hasn't worked in like 5 years. The ex finally left him, on top of hurting her he was also cheating on her. But for some reason, nobody understands, she still pays all his bills. Which means that she has to sell plasma to try and make ends meet while he hangs out at strip clubs. But that's not my problem. A couple years later, one of his partners started up a new oil and gas firm and went to long lengths to get it certified by the Better Business Bureau and every other, look, we really are honest website he could find. So it seems likely that he didn't know that Step Douche was as slimy as he turned out to be. This is such a weird both sides story where you're like, I really feel for the ex, but at the same time you want to be like, I don't feel bad for them at all. I especially feel bad for the kids and what they had to experience. Our next story is, saw a post about HOA revenge and had to post this story. Pointers included for those in similar situations. I bought my home in 2001 in a 42 home community. We bought right after the 2001 tragedy and we picked the community because the HOA fees were very low at just $51. It wasn't long after we bought the last home in the community. We got a sweet deal because of this and business had really slowed down after the tragedy before those dues started going up. I was 22 at the time. Looking into the financial reports and into the meetings, it became clear where the dues were going up. The board had a little fiefdom set up by the developers of the homes. Our management company was a subsidiary corporation of the home builder and the board members were a combination of one of the home developers and two of the very first home purchasers in the community, a three-person board. The first action the board took with that increase in funds was to remove trees that were not even on the HOA's property. They were trees that sat in an area the HOA had access to for weed abatement. These trees' real crime was not that they were weeds, it was that they blocked a nice view of the board's president and vice president. At the same time, the BS violation letters started going out to about half the homes. You aren't mowing enough, you aren't watering enough, every petty thing you can think of. They were issuing warning letters and starting to fine homeowners. Cue revenge time after getting one of those letters myself about weed abatement. Ironically, it was researching the community's CC and R's about weed abatement that led me to realize the trees that were cut were not on HOA property. And it was researching the annual budget that led me to finding out the huge weed abatement expense that was actually the community's funds being spent to remove trees solely for the two board members' homeowners' views. Then I found out that in California, all anyone needs to initiate a recall of the entire board and install a new one, if successful, was the signatures of 5% of homeowners delivered to the current board. 
That's a total of three houses and a 42-home community. The board was issued a recall notice not 48 hours after I found out about the law, delivered to the management company in person. Ironically, the home builder's corporate office was in the exact same building as the management company. You would think they wouldn't have wanted to make their association so obvious, but hey, it was 2002. This is also when I found out that the management company basically had the entire board in its pocket because they dragged their feet with the recall vote. They set it as far out as they could by law in the middle of the day. Instead of holding it in the community like all board meetings, they set the place at a local park a couple miles away. They thought they were so brilliant doing this. So me and my wife put together a proxy voting form for the election and we went to every door in our community. We told them what was happening with their money, their plans to create an architecture committee that would require all homeowners to get approvals for any additions or changes, everything. It took us three rounds around the neighborhood, plus a couple extra visits to homes that had not answered initially. In the end, me and my wife had 26 revocable proxies for the election. For those unfamiliar with proxies, it basically gave me and my wife the power to cast that homeowner's vote for them, if and only if they didn't show up to the election. The thoughtless board and management company actually made it easier for us to collect the proxies because a lot of homeowners flat out could not make the time and place of the meeting. The recall day finally arrives. The current board members are all there, the management company representative is there, and eight other homeowners showed up to the meeting six of whom we had proxies for and which were revoked by their attendance. They opened the meeting and started saying something about, oh, looks like a waste of money, there isn't a quorum, blah blah. I then said, I'm sorry, but we do have a quorum. They're like, um, no, you need 22 homeowners here and there's only 12. The three board members, me and wifey, and the eight others that showed up. And that's when I pulled out the trump card. I dropped all 26 proxies on the bench table everyone was sitting at and said I'm sorry but there are more than 30 homeowners present and pointed out the math. After subtracting the 6 homeowners that had showed up, we had 20 additional proxy votes that counted for both quorum and voting purposes. They all got wide-eyed, most especially the management company representative. He came over and looked at the forms very closely and compared it against a list of homeowners. Even the people that were there and on our side did not realize how much work we had done to ensure the BS ended there and now. The recall meeting was opened. The board members voted not to recall, plus there were three friends that were on their side. The other homeowners present voted to recall, and the vote stood at 6-6 to tied. I then stood and declared that we were voting our 20 valid proxy votes to recall the entire board. Recall passed 26 votes to 6. Next vote, who replaces the board members? It ended up becoming me and wifey and another homeowner that had voted for recall and was willing to take the seat. We elected ourselves to the board seats by a vote of 26 to 6. It was at this point that the management company then stated that Canon Management was immediately resigning as the management company for the community. I then pulled out the HOA's management contract, which clearly stated that either side needed to give three months notice to effect resignation, and stated that we, the new board, accepted their resignation and set an end date for their services three months later. The management guy was nuclear pissed off. 
I, a 22-year-old kid at the time, had beaten them at their game and I'd prepared for their possible quitting shenanigan. We replaced the management company after a couple of months, having had proper time to find and vet an independent company, at about half the cost no less. Did the same with the gardening services, which was also a home builder affiliated company, also at about half the cost. The old president of the HOA put his home up for sale about a month later, after we rescinded all the old violations and issued a notice to the old board members that we intended to vote on whether they had committed fraud against the association over their weed abatement tree removal action. I still remember vividly walking over to Dale's house, the old president, the day he was moving and giving him a big wave goodbye as he was getting into the car to follow his moving truck. He gave me the finger as he drove out. Definitely one of the proudest moments in my life. As a person who just does not support HOAs in any form, I mean, I guess they can be nice if you find one good one, but most just seem like a scam. I love this story. Our next story is, roommate cheated me rent for one month? Cool. I ensured he paid me back for two months instead. I joined a new job at a new city in a country new to me. I was looking for a two-bedroom apartment and wanted to share one room with someone else as it came out cheaper than renting a one-bedroom alone. To my luck, I came to know about someone who worked in my company, who coincidentally was also from my city, who was also looking for a roommate. I got in touch with him and we went on apartment hunting. We found a decent one and he was reluctant to sign the lease, and asked if he could stay outside the lease as he may switch jobs and move out in a few months. He was also not ready to get internet, power, water, etc. under his name. I was just too excited to have found an apartment. I went ahead with the arrangement. I was pretty confident I could find someone else, if or when he leaves, so I didn't care much. The move-in date was 30 days away, and for the days in between, I found temporary accommodation for the both of us at a friend's apartment, who had just moved out of the city 15 days back. And his apartment, just a 10-minute walk from the unit I had leased, had a lease for another 45 days and was also empty. He left the unit empty as the lease breakage came higher than two months rent. We both decided to stay in that unit for the 30 days and pay one month rent to my friend. We decided not to buy any big furniture until we moved into our apartment to make the move easier, avoid hiring movers. A couple days after moving into the temporary apartment unit, my new roommate informed me that his wife had just delivered a baby girl and he was going to travel home for a few weeks. I was happy for him and wished him luck. His travel date was just a day before the move-in date to the apartment we had leased, so basically I had to move both of our clothes, luggage, furniture, etc. all alone. It was tiring, but since both the apartments were at a walkable distance, I was able to finish the move in 4-5 to hours. He came back almost a month later, then came the first month of splitting the expenses. I sent him the Excel with the split up, and he refused to pay the amount I had mentioned. Half of rent, plus water, plus power, plus internet. And he paid just 10% of his share, stating that he was home only for three days and will only pay for those many days. I was kind of okay with him paying for utilities prorated to the number of days he stayed, but I could not accept rent that way. Either he stayed or not. His bags and furniture were in the home, and I didn't sublet the unit for the days he was out, and subletting wasn't even something we discussed before. Above all, I was the one who carried his luggage and furniture to the new apartment. He wasn't considerate. I gave him one 
Last chance to be fair. I try to explain the fallacies in his argument, but he ignored me. So I decided he has to learn about something called consequences. I was having an international travel plan, kind of in the horizon for a long time, and I decided this was the time to book tickets and travel for four weeks. Plus, I asked my employer to nominate me for some work-related conference in Vegas one week, and I was going to travel to meet my wife, who was living a two and a half hour flight away, multiple times in the coming months, another three plus weeks. Adding all these days, plus a couple of road trips with my friends, I must have been out of the home for at least two months, and he ended up paying more than what he saved by cheating me earlier. I was so petty that once, while returning from a trip, I reached my apartment lobby by around 11.40pm. I just waited there until midnight so that I'll have one less day shared, and I specifically mentioned this to him when we were splitting the bills. Well yeah, if you're going to be a cheapskate and try to cheat your roommate out of rent, if you create these bogus rules, you literally cannot complain if somebody else uses them too. I loved it. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.